Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Oh Yes Podcast. Today on the show, we've got our boy Dallas K, or as he's known in the forums, K Salad. What's up, bro? <laughs> How do you know that? Um, I think you were doing you I think you were doing like a live stream thing. This is like eight mm. years, not eight years ago, oh. maybe like six years ago. And you're like, yo, it's K Salad. And me and Andrew Goldstein, I think, we're watching it, and it stuck with me ever since then. Uh, it's my it's just Dallas K backwards. Yeah, no, I got I, I know what it is. It's just <laughs> I thought you were fucking around. No, no, no. He really he really put this in like a forum at one point. It's I like really it's also my PlayStation username. Oh, is it really? <laughs> like on the random chance that I'm ever playing video games, it's just what I made like a long time ago. I didn't ago. know that. I, I don't I don't stalk you to that to that extent. Well. How's your how's your day going today? Good. Um, woke up. Uh, what did I do today? <laughs> yeah, I've just been doing writing for the last two weeks. So like had sessions every day. So I'm just kind of like cataloging everything that I did and being like, what's, you know, what, what should I finish? Like now what, you know, uh, just kind of like, how can I get this stuff done? You're going to Mexico tomorrow. Yes. I'm taking a vacation. A vacation. Finally. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Tulum. Oh, dude, I hear it's nothing beautiful. but great things. Have you been? I went two years ago on the first vacation that I'd taken in seven years before that. Oh my God. So Fire. it's a, uh, I think as you get older, I think, you know, take more vacations. I know. I never take vacations. We are going on, we're going on two week vacation for Dave's wedding. Nice. So that'll be nice in uh, Turks and Caicos. So that'd be good. TNC. Have you, been TNC Turks, have you been to Turks and Caicos? No, I haven't. But so we have this thing. We, we, we want to start a cop show called Turks and Caicos where I'm Turks, he's Caicos or he's Turks, I'm Caicos. I'm not sure, but like Turks, like Caicos. okay. So Turks is like, I, I don't know. Turk, it might be pretty good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like Turks is like a by the book cop. He like, mm. he's like very straight and narrow, blah, blah. Caicos is like, he'll bend the rules, break them. He's in it. He's in it for the thrills. You know what I mean? He what do you the think? Dark side, a dark passenger. That's not a bad idea for a show. Yeah. A cop show called Turk. A hundred percent. Like a, like a show that would be on like, TNT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Or like Spike. Canceled, <laughs> canceled after one and a half seasons. Yeah, of course. But we get our shot and it's good. Right. So you live like two lives. You have like your artist life. A where Turks and Caicos type yeah, situation. Yeah, you have a Turks and Caicos, your own Turks and Caicos situation. Yeah. That's why I brought that up. Right. Um, where you're like a writer and a songwriter producer mm -hmm. for other people. Yes. And then you're also a DJ, DJ producer for yourself. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how it happened too. Um, it was... I'm uh, not by accident, but um, so I grew up in Florida. I went to Florida State University for like maybe one semester. But in that time, I met uh, my friend Chris, whose brother was uh, producing in LA, working with, you remember Kevin Rudolph? Yes. Yeah. Let yeah. it rock. Let it rock. Let, let it rock. rock. When I arrive. So video. exactly, right. <laughs> Slash guitar. He did that in the video. Right. Um, so I met him randomly and this was like kind of in, in tandem with me DJing and like putting songs out on Beatport, um, like straight up Complexro, Electro House stuff. Um, and so I, I was just like kind of starting to play shows. People were emailing me be like, hey, do you want to come like DJ here? And then I met these guys and they're like, yeah, we like your music. Like come to LA. And I was like, cool, sure. Why Did, not? Didn't think much about it. Um, and the first time I came to LA, I met uh, Jay Cash, who's like, you know, today probably one of the most like uh, one of the biggest songwriters in the world um, through Jeff and Chris, my friends from Florida, basically. Um, and he kind of plugged me into this world over the course of like the next year because I was playing shows and then coming back and being like, well, I'm not going to go back to Florida for like the two weeks that I've off. I'll go to LA. Right. And then I started meeting all these people who were just making big pop records. And uh, it was something that 
I never really thought about doing. Um, I mean, I grew up in Orlando where like boy bands and Max Martin and stuff were like obviously very popular and pop music was kind of our cultural identity. But um, I didn't, at that time, I was just so DJ focused, so EDM focused. And, and it kind of was like a, like a little side step to that where I could get a little break from being like, is this a banger? Right, you right, know what right. I mean? Yeah. And I never like, never thought of myself as a songwriter really. I was kind of in bands, but like barely. I was in a bunch of emo bands that like I played bass or like yeah, yeah. keyboards and it was just like not great. Um, so it was also a completely new skill set that I was learning. And I basically, I mean, I attribute all my songwriting craft to being just in these rooms with people who are infinitely better than me. And, and I just kind of picked up on what they would do. Um, so yeah, over the course of the last five, six years, as I've been touring and playing shows, I've also just been writing for other people. And now such a crazy, like, like coincidence that, I mean, it's a great thing to fall yeah. into. It's weird too, because then I, I realized like last year that there was people who knew me like, there are people who knew me as a DJ producer, maybe knew I like could produce some stuff for other people. And then people who knew me like only as a writer producer, like they're like, Oh, you're a you DJ. And I was like, yeah, like it's kind of how I like got into all this. And it's like, cause they just met me, you know, it's a name in their calendar. They do a session. We meet, we like work together. Right. And it's like, you know, some, you know, some people you obviously are become really good friends with, but some people, you know, you see when you write and that's kind of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh wow. I have like, I got a Turks and Caicos thing going yeah, on here Turks and, Caicos and I need to like, need to bring it together. Um, so that's kind of been what I've been doing for the last like year is just kind of like trying to bridge those two worlds with the, the records that I'm putting out as Dallas K is like, you're like singing on some of them. I am singing them, on right? some of them. Yeah. Uh, How did I, that come to be? Cause you didn't, you, you didn't, when I, I think when I met you, I wasn't you, singing for sure. You weren't singing. You had like just, yeah, done some complexo stuff. And then you had a uh, burn with cashmere. I think yes, it was like your yeah. big, like, that was like house exactly. Record. That was a big, big, big room. So that's like how I knew. And then all of a sudden you like, I feel like took a break from, from I had a, uh, world. I, yeah, I had to get out of a weird record deal situation. So I kind of like couldn't put out any music okay. for a while, which was like a real bummer. But I mean, everything happens. How yeah. But because when you came back, I feel like the records you were putting out were like, it did to me, knowing that you do both things. I was like, oh, he's putting his like chops from like right. pop writing into dance music. That's what it was. It was just like, how do I combine these two worlds that I have like different feet in? You so know, what got you to sing? Were you just like- The singing thing is around. random. The singing thing actually happened because, so I, I wrote or co-wrote and produced this song called Work From Home by Fifth Harmony, which was like, um, did really well. And my publishing company was doing- um, uh, like a writer's night where you, you know, people who have written bigger songs, like get to come up, talk about the song and perform it. Oh, cool. And uh, originally they had asked me and Ammo, who I co-produced it with, if they wanted to do it. But Ammo is like kind of a shy guy. And I just kind of knew that he wasn't going to do it. I just <laughs> knew that he would like, he'd be like, ah, yeah, maybe. He would have, he would have backed out the last minute. I love, I love Ammo. No, you know, no bad blood, but I just knew he would have probably not shown up had it done that. So I was like, okay. Let me figure this out. And then I was like, okay, I can, I play guitar, you know? Um, but I was like, if I feel like if I get up there and somebody else is singing and if I fuck up playing guitar, You're then fine. like, then, sh then, you know, whoever's singing will fuck it up and then it's all bad. <laughs> so I was like, to mitigate any sort of like terrible, terrible things, let me just try to sing it. Let me like, let me just do it. It was honestly just because it was like, we, we were doing this in two weeks. Do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, sure. So I practiced a little bit. And, uh, and I had to perform that song and then a song, it was like basically a song that you love or like, it was supposed to be a song from your childhood, but I did What Do You Mean by Justin Bieber. Hey, I love that. Because <laughs> I love that song, shout out I mean, Pooh Bear. from your childhood. Um, and uh, so yeah, I just did it. I, so it was like Soho House and I just got up there with electric guitar and sang it. And that was the first time I'd ever really sang anything 
That's crazy. So That's crazy to just jump up there in front of like a bunch of respected songwriters. It was like and sing for the first. It time. was also it was kind of crazy because it was like I knew most of the people there, so I was like, okay, if I really embarrass myself, it won't be that bad. Yeah. But I remember my manager at the time just running up and be like, "What's going? Wait, wow, you you can sing?" And I was like, "I guess so. I don't know." <laughs> so that's kind of how the whole singing thing happened. And also, like as you guys can probably attest to, getting features on records is like one of at every level of if you're a if you're oh it's the most annoying if you're a Tiesto, I mean, or if you're just like starting out, it's really really tough from a logistical standpoint. From like, what label are they signed to? What's their release schedule? So it was like I have all these songs that I love. And I could spend six months like waiting for people or I could just sing them and do them. Yeah. So it was kind of a little bit of just like bootstrapping it a little bit. a lot easier to be able to write your own kind of- Yes I mean, and no. Yes and no. Like yeah. meeting like you don't have to just send a track out to seven top liners and like right. hope for something. You can actually just sit there and write until you come up with something that you like. Well, a lot of the songs were just like songs that I'd written in sessions. And I was like, I really love this. And you know, like maybe somebody would bite on them. I mean, like sometimes the song that um, I, the, my last release with Nikki Romero and, and Zylo, that, that was like a Becky G song for a long time. And that was like, oh, there was a couple different people who had that song. That's crazy. And I was just like, yo, I love this song. Like, I'm not gonna like let it sit on a hard drive forever. Uh, like let's do something with it. You know, it's a really cool place to be. Cause I feel like as a pop writer, we know from doing like all the pop mm -hmm. sessions, like back in the day and stuff, it's so annoying. Cause like sometimes it's like, yo, this is a great pop record or whatever. And then it'll end up just like sitting for ever. You're I mean, you like, write so many songs too. It's just like the law of averages that not all of them are going to yeah, be like hits. Every hundred you yeah. write, there's going to be one that's like, people are going to probably seriously, hear, you know what I mean? Which seriously. Crazy. So how do you, what, which world do you prefer one world to the other? Do you, so like, it's not that I necessarily prefer one to the other. I love playing shows. Like, you know, anytime I'm out on the road and I'm just like playing show and I'll be like, damn, I love this. Like, yeah. you know, it's like the energy you get from playing shows, you know, playing dance music as well. is just like always so fun. It's usually like really, really fun crowds. It's like very rare that you encounter like a crowd that's like not into what you're doing for yeah, the most part, that. which is for like one reason. Right. It's the one genre that like pretty much no matter what you're doing up there, people mm -hmm. are, in, are, if there's enough people in that room, they're going to yeah. be into it. So it's like, you know, anytime I go play shows, it's like, I get that rush again. And I mean, honestly, for the last, yeah, the last month, I've just been only working on stuff for me um, to, to release for the rest of the year. Um, but it, it, you know, there it's, it's all fun. You know what I mean? Like being able to go into a room and just write whatever for whoever, or being with that artist and being able to help them realize that vision. It's like, that's something that I've, that I've seen that I really enjoy and probably like later in my life will do more of. Yeah. Um, just like helping them realize their vision. Um, I have like a weird amount of knowledge of like a lot of different kinds of music too. And I think that's uh, something that I use to my advantage as a producer. Cause it's like, oh yeah, it's like kind of like this random like Houston underground hip hop song from like <laughs> 2003. And people are like, I don't know that. I'm like, okay, but I'm gonna like catch this vibe and just yeah, go yeah, with yeah, it, you know? That's awesome. So, like just because I was like a random music nerd of like digging through BitTorrent stuff and and going through files that uh, yeah. So what is your story? So in Florida, like how did you get into music? Was it like you like like you said you were in bands? I have and a that pretty good origin story like that I've you know that I've figured out throughout let's, the years. Everyone asks you that, right? It's like okay, so in middle school I was in symphonic band and I played the baritone saxophone. Holy shit! Whoa. All right, big boy. I was you know I was much <laughs> shorter than I am now, uh, much skinnier too probably, and like just had this big saxophone. Um, and cause I had already known I love music. Uh, like even, okay, if we want to go even further back than that, um, there was a radio station when my parents moved to Florida, when I was like five or six, there was a radio station in Orlando called 95.3 party. 
95.3 Party was one of the only dance stations, like full format dance radio music stations in the country. Um, so they were playing like uh, Fatboy Slim, Tiesto, Paul, uh, Paul Van Dyke, Paul Oakenfold, like all this stuff, like oh, all this back. like, yeah. dude. Uh, and so like when I was in third or fourth grade, I like begged my mom and get a, uh, get a like Ibiza trance mix. Yeah. Like, so I, like, I had this weird thing with dance music when I was really, really, really young. I just loved it. Then, you know, through middle school, joined band or whatever, and then discovered like emo music and like really, really fell into that. Um, but so I was in a bunch of bands and stuff playing bass and guitar when I was in middle school. And by the time that I got to eighth grade, I knew that when you go into marching band next year in high school, you had to like, or sorry, to be in any sort of band, you had to be in marching band in high school. And I was oh, like, wow. fuck that. I was like, <laughs> no way. Am I, is my summer going to be me in a hot field in Florida walking around? Oh my in God, a no thing? way. Four hours. <laughs> no, I'm good. So I knew that. So I didn't have to practice for like the entrance exams. And at the same time, my middle school band teacher had gotten a MacBook from the school district that had garage band on it. Oh, so me and a couple of my friends, she basically just like let us go into the back office and like record our band's album in the in the back office of the band. On GarageBand. On GarageBand. Um, and that was like my first thing where like recorded music was like, whoa, this is cool. Like, yeah, I can like, this is something that I like. I can do this. Yeah. Um, and then moving forward, like my cousins had Fruity Loops and I was like, you know, you think your cousins are like your older cousins are like the coolest people when you're growing <laughs> up, right? And you're like, it's like, oh, damn, they do like the aggressive inline and like <laughs> yeah, straight up. cousin that did an aggressive inline. You know what I mean? um, so I was that cousin that did right, aggressive I mean, dude, <laughs> right. So, uh, so like my cousin Brad had like Fruity Loops and I was like, I have to get this. So I got the trial of it. And then like being in bands in high school, I kind of learned that you, you know, everyone's like working at PacSun and like, yeah, so like, you know, like getting everyone together to practice oh, and like dude, be on the same level as that you want to take something is like really, really hard. There's always the one kid in the band that like actually has the mentality like, okay, I seriously want to practice every day and I want this to go somewhere. And then the other kid, pretty much every other kid in the band's like, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I got to hang out with Kelsey yeah, later. Right. You're like, dude, come on. Exactly. <laughs> so that was the thing. And I was like, then I kind of realized that computers could like, make up for what I didn't like where, where I lacked. Right. right. Like I didn't, I didn't have to wait for everyone to make a song and just make the song. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then through there, like into high school, I, I was like really into like streetwear, like 10 deep and like crooks and castles <laughs> and stuff. Like, uh, I have some 10 deep sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was sick, man. It was great for the yeah. time period. Funny, um, funny side story. I met the owner of 10 deep hmm. after 10 deep became a $10 million company. He still worked at a back stock room at a supermarket. Why? Real story. I don't know. This is like the thing. Keep him humble. It must be. It stuck with me like forever. My older brother is like really good friends with him. And I met him. And after he left, my older brother was like, yeah, he literally still works. Like, I don't know if maybe he owned this little market. I'm not really sure. But he's still so. like, like stocked boxes in the back of this market while owning 10 deep. And like 10 deep was like already like super successful. I would really love to know the, the story. I don't know. That. We got to get him on here and talk about um, it. But yeah. Anyway, so that I kind of got into like back into like the blog world and like through that got into like blog house and all this like indie electro stuff that was kind of happening around that time period. And then like, so being in high school, I was like, I want to like DJ. I was like, I make all this electronic music now. And like, I don't really want to be in a band, but like, so how do I perform it? It's like a DJ. So I used to DJ house parties with an Axiom 25 MIDI controller. Oh my God. Hooked up oh to God. tractor all <laughs> queued up. Like uh, my friend and Justin and I used to throw these, my friend Andy had a house that uh, his parents like had moved to San Francisco, but like let him have. 
course. Um, <laughs> of course they did. You guys, do you, you, know, you remember There for Tomorrow, the band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah of, of course. course. So Andy was the tour manager from There for Tomorrow. Oh, perfect. So might have crossed paths with him. But so basically like that friend group, all, we used to throw like house parties and like charge everyone 10 bucks for a cup. And, uh, and so me and my friend Justin would DJ these and I would be DJing with my MIDI controller and I just loved it so much. And then going to college, I like continued to DJ and like, you know, wherever I could, like wherever would play yeah. like EDM and house music and shit like that. Like everyone still wanted to hear like T-Pain and stuff. Yeah. Uh, T-Pain, love T-Pain. Yeah. Um, he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, Tallahassee legend. Um, <laughs> but so at that time I just started like getting more serious with it and sending it to like other DJs. I, I remember I did a remix of Nero guilt and then like Nero hit me up and I was like, Oh my God, this is <laughs> I made insane. It. I've made it. I was like, this is insane. Cause like at that time I'd already left college and went back to Orlando and was like promoting parties and had like a company kind of with that same group of friends who used to throw house parties. And we like made our like little thing. We're like, we're going to throw like club nights. And it was horrible. So hard. <laughs> I hated it so much, but, um, but it was really good because it helped me like, understand a lot more about well business in general but also just like i got to meet a lot of these djs who were coming through orlando and um from there it's just i was like sending stuff to blogs just kind of you know throwing stuff against the wall and see if we can hit and then yeah. people started emailing me and that's how like i ended up like meeting uh lee anderson from am only and like like all these people who like were really influential in like the beginning of the career so that's kind of like the entire origin story that's from crazy that. yeah what, uh, know, what was like crazy. your first what was like your first big release where it was like oh shit this is like i'm like in play like i'm actually um, gonna do it. i think it might have been that nero guilt remix or uh i had a song called front to back that came out on cold blanks burn the fire records if you remember that i, I don't, don't remember know. okay that. uh but they were like pretty big in like complex strode era stuff and that was like, I remember when I first met uh, Cruella, they were like, your song, like front to back, got us into like dance music. Oh, I was wow. like, that's weird, dude, because like that, I don't even think of it like, you know, it's yeah. like you, you produce a song on their album. I did. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. I used to live with Chris and I've known the girls for like a long time too. I met all of them. I love that song. Oh, it was, uh, enjoy, the, enjoy ride. the ride. Yeah, that song is fine. That first album, their first album is so I went fire. to Tony Robbins randomly like a couple months ago. Uh, house? No, no, no. Like the the whole thing that he does. You probably, my, my fiance was there. The whole event. The, the, the oh. just happened like yeah. in downtown. Yeah, she, she was there. And, completely someone else. And they played Enjoy the Ride. Oh, I, hey. like, I hadn't heard that song in like seven years. I was like, oh. I just put I the camera like, on you. I was, like, I, no, I was like, I, I think I like worked on this song. I was like, just, it's funny how like you're. Wait, what did you think he was talking about when he said Tony Robbins? Isn't, okay. So isn't there a singer something Robbins? Like a Hugh oh. Robinson or Robbins? Robbins. Every time someone says Tony Robbins, I think of this singer. Like Tony you're thinking of. Uh, maybe Tony, somebody like that. I just. Tony. Even when you were telling me April was going that, I was like. Why is she going to that weird singer? No, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Tony, it's a girl singer, like an old yeah, diva Tony singer. Tony Braxton? Maybe. Tony Braxton, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know but for, anyways, whenever someone says Tony Robbins, I think of an old singer. That's why I was super confused for a second. <laughs> He's a motivational speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. So this whole time you thought I was saying April went to a no, no, singer's? No, no. <laughs> I know it, but like at, life at first when we talk about it, like I think that it's- How did you like the Tony Robbins thing? It was cool. Um, I got invited through a friend of my girlfriend's uh, and it was cool. It's like definitely a really interesting experience. It's really long. It's four full days. Dude, she like said she was there yeah, four days. days. She went alone like by herself. You have to go alone, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like 12, 14 hours a day. It's crazy. So that's what she wanted for her, for her birthday. I was like, what do you want? And she's like, oh, well, Tony Robbins is coming into town. And I was like, yeah. this is what, you, this is it. This is what you really want. And she's like, yeah. 
And then the whole time she was there, she's like, it's like really long. And I'm like alone. I'm like, listen, you're staying. It's like, you're- really long. It's really, really long. But I mean, I think there's like definitely valuable stuff to gain from it. I think, um, look, it's definitely a business and there's definitely like a part where they're like, come on, keep going, keep of coming. Course, yeah. But like there's definitely valuable stuff. And he's like probably one of the best public speakers of like, did you leave? Did you feel like you feel it, rejuvenated? Like or whatever, or like value? Definitely. Did you do the firewalk? I didn't do the firewalk. She did the firewalk. She I said it was crazy. It. I didn't do it only because my girlfriend didn't want to do it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I blame her. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. It was like, okay. I mean, I guess you can't, you can't walk on fire if your chick's not going to walk on fire with you. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. It just didn't, we didn't do the firewalk, but it was fine. Um, I did like it. It was, it was definitely valuable. Um, if you know anything about like any of the, like the self-help stuff or like, there's like, it's a lot of stuff that's just repackaged into his brand right, of it. Yeah. But um, I heard he wasn't there for a lot of it too. He's not. Well, cause dude, his like voices like fucked up. Yeah. She was like, she was like some other guy came up and I, I said the same thing. I didn't thing. like the thing with the other, like the other guy that threw me. So, cause I didn't know that either. Cause he doesn't do all four days. It's like, so it's really like two days of him where he's out there doing his thing. um, And then like, especially like the last day, it's like, buy some stuff or like, <laughs> there's a lot of it where they're playing on the days he's not there. There's a lot of it where he's, they're playing videos of him doing these from like back in the day too, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's like, but people are still so enthralled yeah, by the, so. just the video of him. Um, it's like 15,000 centers, the convention center, 10,000 people, dude, a day yeah. for four days. Yeah. That is a wild. I mean, we should go, we should try it. Maybe like one day. I feel like I couldn't commit to four 12 hour days. No, I couldn't do four 12 hour days. I met some crazy people though that like, I met this dude who was like, yeah, I like, uh, I was an investment banker and I cashed in my, I like liquidated my entire portfolio. And like, now I just do this and like try to help people. And I'm becoming like a, like a platform. He's like, now I just go to these. That's all I do. (laughs) Straight up. Like he just goes and like, then he's like, I'm becoming a life coach like through his program or whatever. And I was like, okay. I mean, people, people find the value in it. I think there's like definitely something that's like, like almost spiritual. I'm still yet to get the return on my investment from sending my fiance. I was like, I was like, so are you going to like do something with all this? She's like, I feel great. I'm like, but like, like, what did you learn? I'll tell you what I did do for like a straight week after is I jumped into my freezing cold pool. The first thing when I woke up in the morning and I did feel great. Does he tell you to do that? He does it. He has like a, like a specific cold pool. And I just have a pool that I refuse to turn the heater on (laughs) because I'm like, I'm not paying for it to be heated. Um, so I just would jump into the freezing cold pool. How does that, how does that start your day? Is it nice? Great. I mean, cause it's like, because you sit there, awesome. I can see that being, you good. sit there and you think about it. Like if you want to get a kind of weird meta about it, you're like, okay, why am I hesitant to jump into this pool? They're like, it's going to be cold. It's like, yeah, so what, you know, like, so what it's going to be cold. And then you're going to get out and then you're not going to be cold anymore. Yeah. And then it's like, so you kind of think of it as like a, use it as like a, a metaphor, a little bit of just like, just do something and figure it out. You know, it's like, Probably wakes then, your ass up too. It wakes your ass up and then you get out and then your body immediately gets warm and you're like, and then you feel like endorphin rush yeah. and you're like, whoa, this is like crazy. There's a reason like there's a lot of like beyond Tony Robbins, there's a lot of people who like do the whole cold pool thing. And they, a lot of people do like the ice bath and like, I, I just, sometimes I'll just do a cold shower if I'm not feeling that great. And you get out and you're just like, yes, like yeah. <laughs> just straight up. punching stuff. Yeah. You know what Fucking I mean? uh, Laird, uh, yeah, Laird Hamilton. He like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just he does listen, like crazy. I just did yeah. this crazy thing with him. He does, he does like, some ridiculous temperature in the low for 15 minutes, then gets out and does like 250 degrees in the sauna and then goes back and forth. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like there's, there's people that tell you not to drink hot soup with drinking cold water. And this guy, the the hot and cold bathing is pretty like well vetted. I think. Okay. So we're good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's like uh, Rick Rubin does that too. Fair enough. I think the Tim Ferriss thing, somebody was, I watched, I listened to a thing where somebody was interviewing, I think it was Tim Ferriss interviewing Rick Rubin and he was, 
they, the whole time they were doing it, they were alternating hot and cold. Oh, we need during to do that. The, during we need the to do interview. events on here. We need to do events. It was it was crazy. Like it was like the mic would cut out at a certain point because it got too hot. But um, we need to do that. We need to like. I don't know what, like maybe like a, I don't know, like a hacky sack or something. We need to bring, we need to invent something. We need to bring something in here. So what are you working on? What are you working on right now? Like you're like excited about Um, right now in both worlds. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of records and the thing with the pop stuff is like, you kind of never know, you know, it's like yeah. you have deals for these songs. It's like you're writing for it, but it's like what, what kind of almost brought me back into working on my artist stuff a lot more was the fact that you're relying on so many other different people to like make these decisions. Cause it's like, you have the artist, their manager, their A&R, their la so label president, oh, the so radio many. team. So it's like for you to be able to just write a record and have it come out as somebody else's song, there's so many steps involved in that process that like, you know, you remember like if I, if I think this stuff is dope, if I think this song is dope and I finish it, it can come out. You Are know? you just like, self-releasing stuff now too? So I work through AWOL okay. and do it like independently, but I, I have a couple of releases coming up on other labels and stuff. It's like, I'm a little bit of a free agent, which is nice. I mean- um, it's really nice because you can literally just be like, yeah. yep, I want it out. I'm I mean, somebody I work with a lot is Lauv. Um, do you know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. So yeah. I, uh, I don't know him personally, but I know. No, so I, I met him like the first time he came to LA and just we've been writing a bunch of stuff. I just did the late, latest release that he put out. We have a couple other ones that we've been working on when he was like before he went on tour. And it's like he was the poster child of like being able to self-release stuff and be your own business. And, and you know, I think it was like, that was really eye-opening that, hey, the whole music industry has changed. It's like labels yeah. aren't, you know, we talk the end-all be-all of like, oh my God, if I sign to a label, then I'm I'm set, you know? And like, uh, so it's been cool to have like the the agency to be able to put out stuff wherever you want. But it's also, it's your reliance, like for a lot of it, it's like, yeah, they're they're a distributor, you know, they're not, they're not a label. They're not, right. they don't have the, from a business perspective, they don't have the upside of, of this record doing that well and they're not going to be able to put the same amount of resources in it. So it kind of comes back to you to do a lot of that and be able to source a lot of the people who are going to help your record. Yeah, like get creative you know, like the marketing. A videographer, and, yeah. like to do, do like, you know, graphic design stuff, like stuff that is like, but you don't, it's, it's like you don't realize that those things exist when you're on a label because people are doing them for yeah, you. It's right. like when you move out on your own and you're like, wait a minute, toilet paper, paper is not just going to be here. Like, what, you know I will, what, I mean? what I will say though is like, I've been a lot happier with being able to source all that stuff myself because one of the things I always hated about labels was I would get some artwork and be like, yep. Like, well, cause yeah, cause I mean, they have the, the guy that's hired to do graphic design, just sew something together in one. Yeah. We never, we never use the in-house guys. Like we pretty much deliver everything to our label in a Dropbox. Got like, it. Yeah. Yeah. It. We would deliver all the, it just feels all better. The stuff. Like, you know what I mean? And like, no one's going to care about your shit like you do. So like, no, you put it in the time. Well, we also don't want our shit to look like 70 other people. Like, like this looks just like the artwork that this guy got. Honestly, I've seen Sometimes, because they just get shit on Shutterstock. Mm -hmm. Like I've I've seen the same image used twice. I'm like, this is the artwork that Hardwell used last week, guys. You Never can't forget that Future used a Shutterstock image for his album cover. There you go. <laughs> Which one was it? Uh, it's like I forget the name of the album, but it's like a blue and purple like swirl. Oh yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a Shutterstock image. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so funny. Um, but no, I think I mean. From like a from like a well, I don't know what my what would I want my art to look like perspective, or somebody who's like in that position. I think the thing that I found too is just like just pick something and just go for it. Yep. And yeah. and like just having that that uh like knowledge of what you want and like being able to build off of any arbitrary idea will lead you somewhere that's like you'll be happy I with. Mean, if rather you own than, it, no matter how weird it is, people are gonna like oh, okay, that's his shit. You know what I mean? And also, I think there's something to say for just like like we've been doing that a lot this year. Just like 
like you said, like picking something and not overthinking it. And just like, dude, with songs that we're doing with everything, we're just think myself to the grid. Dude, we're both, we're both the same way. Like Mm -hmm. we're like, like I almost now when we finish stuff, I listen to it one time and I move on because I'm just like, if I don't, I'll literally nitpick it Mm -hmm. for just weeks and days and it'll never be done. The mix will never be right. So Mm -hmm. I've just gotten to this point now where I'm not doing that. And it's, it's honestly paid off more than it hasn't where like, I'm just not overthinking things anymore. Cause when you overthink, it's like, you just work it to the bone. I feel right. like I, I stopped mixing a lot of my stuff too, just for that same thing. Because I was like, I just need another set of ears on this. Yeah. You know, like I, I look, I, of course I can mix it. I can do whatever I want, but like, there's a lot of people who like dedicate their life to the art of mixing. Of and like, I don't dedicate my life to the art of mixing. No. I know how to mix. Sure. And like a lot, sometimes I come out, I'm like, well, my mix kind of probably sounded better. But a lot of times I don't. And it's just like standing back from that and being like, okay, uh, it's like I painted this painting. Now you're going to come on and put the varnish on it. That's going to like seal it in to what it's going to be for eternity. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't need to like do that. That's definitely necessary sometimes because you can get too attached to like a weird part of the song to like, if you love a hi-hat sound and you want it to be super loud, but sounds horrible, but you're attached to it for some reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's better to have somebody else come in there and finish it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what have you been working on writing? Have you written any stuff that you're like, like really excited about for other people that's like coming out or in yeah, the works? Yeah, I mean, or, like, I just not, can't really talk. Can't about really it. like be like, yeah, yeah that's. Um, but like, yes, there's a lot of stuff that's like, I mean, some records that I've done over the last course of like the last six months that I think are like probably the, the biggest records I've ever been a part of. Oh wow, but amazing! You never know because there's like labels and there's like managers there's a hundred people involved and if one person fucks up then it's over it's not even they fuck up they just have a different opinion it's like you know uh like writing songs for people is super competitive too yeah i can only imagine i've never been on the side of writing for other people we've obviously done the. we've been on the other side of being the Mm -hmm. artist writing with people and we both did so many of them that we did honestly just don't like it anymore like we we kind of find we found like our core group that we like writing with and we write with them but how is it like just every day being with somebody new, somebody different? I don't really think I've been with like new people for a, like, a, not ever, but like, I don't really have like the speed dating thing. And I haven't for like probably like three or four years of doing this now. I, I know part a it. lot of people and like, I know who I like and every once in a while, a new person comes in. Cause you have to like, you know, you can't be like, nope, this is my group. Like we're just going to course, yeah, yeah. Dude, there's amazing people that come from everywhere. And like, you'll never know what you're going to get with somebody. So it's like, it's cool. Sometimes when you write that new person, it's like, it's a little exciting. Cause you're like, I don't know if like, we're going to be friends or like, right. they're going to, you know, if I'm, they're going to think that I'm a dick or like, if, I, if I'm going to have to make, if I'm like, going to have to make them an excuse to leave, you know what I mean? Well, that's the other thing. I always always do sessions at my house. So it's like, kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> you're like, I, I actually really fuck myself every time. Yeah, Dave, Dave's notorious for back in the day, like coming up with like, Oh yeah, man. I don't know. I must've gotten food poisoning. I'm just not feeling it. I got, I got a dip and then like leaving and being like, I just hated that well, session. Did you know, like if you start a session in the first like hour, like if it's awkward, you're not really going to get chances are nothing's going to come out of it. Right. So I used to just like, be like, yo, like I'm just, I got to go. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why waste your day? Why waste my day? It's true. You sometimes, you know, you're not, like, you're not going to get along with everyone. You're no. not going to like vibe with everyone. Everyone's not going to be on the same page always. It's just the, it's, you're making art with people that you're literally just meeting. Yeah. Do you guys have, do, do a lot of the times, do the artists even come in or is it most of the times yeah, you guys are yeah. just writing it's like pitching? half and half, you know, it's like a lot of the times we're writing and then the artist cuts it later or, or like, you know, usually that leads to like you working with the artists and it's like, it's kind of a half and half thing. Are you doing more, do you do more like track stuff? Do you top line, just mix of both? Dude, I mean, almost every day we, no matter who I'm working with, we start from scratch. Yeah. Just like, That's- and write the songs. It's like, dude, I can make tracks all day, but like there could be one weird hi-hat sound that like somebody doesn't, like they're like, this throws me off. And like, so I just find that it's always better 
to build something that everyone feels like they're a part of from the ground up. Like sometimes it's like you have a track or an idea or whatever, but most of the time it's just like- What's your process as like the producer? Like do you sit in and start making like a melody on the on the piano? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start guitar, piano. Find a sound for it and- Basically that's it. It's like, I mean, dude, when I first came to LA, I used to be so terrified of- I was gonna say like having- As a, as like your first, like- Oh my God. Being the, being the guy behind like the track in a session. Cause I know I'll sit for nine hours just finding the right pad, the right, whatever, you know, the right silence patch having to do it on the fly while people are like writing and being creative, you can't hold up the process. So there's so right. much pressure on your shoulders. Dude, I, I mean, I got, uh, that's how I learned to play piano. And that's, I mean, I could play piano before, but like, that's how I learned how to really like be great at it and like, you know, play guitar a lot better than I was because it's just like your feet are to the fire. Like you, have to. you can't be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be like drawing notes in for like 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, you gotta just like, Go with the flow. So I do, I used to be terrified of it. I used to be like, what if they don't like this one idea that I have? And if they don't like this one idea, I don't know what we're going to do today. <laughs> I really don't know. But it was just, you know, you repeat the process, you iterate it a thousand times and it becomes like second nature. It's like, now I come, I'm like, I didn't do anything before the session. I'm like, we're, we'll figure it out. Like we'll write a song. Yeah. And like, you know, like that's, that's also one of my favorite parts about making music is that you're, it's like alchemy. You're like literally just like huh, this thing that didn't exist. And now it's, now yeah. it's just here. Now the possibilities of where that thing can go are infinite. Endless. And like, that's another important thing with doing sessions every day is like staying in love with that process as opposed to like, who's putting my songs out? What's the deal with this song? Like, you know, cause it's easy to get like, it's easy to feel jaded on writing songs every day. You know what I mean? Cause you can start being like, well, you know, this person didn't like it or this label didn't like it or they loved it. But now it's like all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like it, that can really fuck with you. Like yeah. I hated that process personally. Yeah. yeah I really, I, I hated it too. It's, it's, it's just like, it's, but then you get like the one banger though. And you're like, I love writing. Exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. Dude. Well, you have to be a certain kind of person to write songs, even for yourself or for anything, because other people are judging what you came up with and you hold it dear, right? You're like, I love this song. I wrote it. Somebody can shit all over it. And you're just like, if you don't have the skin to deal with that, it is so tough. Like we get kids all the time, like asking us like, Oh, I want to be a songwriter. I want to be this. Like, what's your like thing? I'm like, well, you have to go into it knowing that like you're gonna get told no a billion times, a billion times. Like at every step of the way. Yeah. No matter how far you are. In the room, to your yeah. face, you're gonna be like, what do you think about this idea? And people are literally gonna go like, no, it's not good and just continue on, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, you have to have like that that skin. How, how were you like at first when people were just like, like like your first time somebody was just like, no, not a good idea. I was like always like, I'm like, I'm a pretty chill person. I don't like get, like even if I felt some type of way, I wouldn't be like, I would never say that to yeah. anyone too. And it's like, but I mean, dude, the, yeah, my, my thick skin developed by just being in there and being like, nah, like what else? Like what, you know, what else? And I'm like, okay, okay. And then you learn to like not hold all the yeah. ideas that you have pressured. Like, you realize so it's like, not a personal attack. You know no, I mean? no. Everyone's just trying to do what they think is like the right thing for it. And, you know, um, part of being the producer is knowing when to like push on something and knowing when to sit back and be like, no, no, no. Some, they're on a train of thought that's going to take us somewhere. Like let them go, you know, and like yeah. let them lead. I think that's like, I mean, I learned, I learned more about how to deal with people by writing songs than like the 18 Talking years maybe. before that, like <laughs> oh, I straight up, imagine. like I learned more about the world of being in a room and like having to make a, it's like, it's like an escape room, bro. Yeah. It's like, that's also what I call bad sessions are escape rooms. Cause wow. you're just trying to figure out a way how to get out, how to make something to get out of it as fast as you can. Yo, that is such a like spot on yeah. representation. Oh my God. But no, but it's like an escape room because it's like, you're just sitting there. You, these people who you know or don't know, and you have to, you, you're making something that day. Like, yeah, whether you like it or not, it's going to be something. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, it's like very rarely have I ever had a time where I'm just like, well, let's just, we'll, we'll just walk away from this and pretend like it never happened. You know, it's oh, like, man. I like, I've had, I've had a few because from an artist perspective, sometimes you'll show up to a session. I don't think it really happens anymore because I think that the industry now is cooler than it was. But like when I was in, when I was in it boys, it was like mm -hmm. the most pop fucking thing you could be. So every session we went into, they're like, guys, LMFAO is killing it. We should do something just like that. And they would play something and we'd be like, just not what we wanted to do, man. But right. the producer or the writer already had it in their mind that that's what we needed to do. That's such a problem too, is because it's like, yo, when you're like, I, I struggle with it a lot because sometimes I'm like, I know this can be better. Like, I know I can make this better, but then it's like, yo, that's the artist. Like they're the ones that have to go out there and, and perform that song and live that song and, and, and really like make it true to them. So it's like, at the end of the day, you have to pick your battles with that because right. it's like, you can have this idea of what you think somebody should be doing. It's like, but until you get there and like, you really see it and feel it out, you can't really know. Yeah. And like, that's just a person being like, I know how to write this guy's hit. Like <laughs> I got this, like I'm going to make their career. And it's like, well, maybe, but like also probably not, you know, especially not knowing somebody. So it's, that's a struggle too of that. Every producer goes through of like, you have a, a vision of what somebody should be or what somebody could be. Yeah. And it's like, that's not necessarily right to impose that on them. Right. Um, and sometimes it, sometimes it works out really well. You know, sometimes they're like, wow, I didn't know I could do something like this. And it's like, 100%, yeah. yeah. But go either way. You just have to kind of know. I think my my biggest pet peeve with sessions is when something's hot at the moment and like every yeah, session you go too. to that month, everybody's trying to like recreate. How do you like escape that? Like there's so basically there's a way that I always describe it to people because it's like, I mean, dude, if I told you how many sessions I've been, we're like, put a vocoder under the hook. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, the vocoder's dope. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> stay, I'm not hating on vocoder. Stay the middle, like Zed did it and he fucking crushed it. And like those songs are hits and like they were sick because that was but like when you're doing that, it's like you're chasing. You know, you're right. chasing whatever like you're chasing the tail of 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 uh something that's already happening, right? Um, and I think that there's so many reference points you can draw from. Like, I think like Sunflower is an example that I think of a lot, like the Post Malone, uh, Sway Lee song. Yeah. Cause it's like, that doesn't sound like anything. Right. Uh, but kind of like the baseline in that is kind of like the sound in that baseline is almost like the take my breath away bass sound from the eighties. Like, oh, nice. Boom, 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 boom. It's like a similar sound. Yeah. And whether or not they did it like consciously, it's like, that's a point of reference that they were able to draw from and then create something that didn't exist that becomes a paradigm that everyone then chases. So it's like, think about where can you draw inspiration from? There's not necessarily like a current pop example that like is on the radio right now that you can build something from. And then, because once you create songs that are become those paradigms, then it's like, you're in control. Right. Yeah. Because you you're dictate what happens from there. You know, well, it's also really hard that I think one thing a lot of people don't realize, like when we meet young producers or whatever, and they're like, Oh, we should do this. And I'm like, by the time you finish this, mm -hmm. by the time it's, by the time from when you finish it to when it's out seven months later, the thing you just did isn't going to be cool anymore. Right. So you can't try to make so like we're doing our album now and we, by the time it comes out, nothing that we could have referenced and tried to copy will be relevant. So right. there's no point of trying to like do yeah, that, you know? Yeah, I mean, cause it's like the thing with dance music because you can like, you can do quick turnaround and quick turnover and stuff like that. Like I could make a track and then get it out in like a couple yeah, weeks of if I want to, but like, but yeah, I mean, dude, the more often than not, the songs I put out are over a year old. Yeah. Like almost all of my songs that have ever come out have been minimum eight months old. Yeah, like, of course. Very rarely. I have like maybe three or four songs that were done like within six months of it coming out. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to get it to, if, you're, if it's on a label, you got to get to the label. You got to get the things cleared. You yeah, got to sample this. You got to you know, do that. You got to do this. 
um, even like, even like show me with Tiesto, like that was done. Oh, that track is so fire. Um, or like all my life that I put out in February of last year, um, was written. Like we, I wrote that with Johnny and Sasha Sloan, like a year and a half before that. Maybe. Oh, wow. And if you want to get really crazy, there's a song I did called crash 2.0. It was like me and adventure club. That song was originally, and that came out in 2014. That was like two different songs put together. So, so here's that. Crazy? So here, here's the crazy shit about that one. That, cause that was like, yeah, two different songs basically mashed up. But that original instrumental that I had put out came out in 2012, but I'd really originally written it. We have like, an edit of that, right? That we used to play. Yeah. We played it with, uh, we had it with Lincoln uh, Park or something. No, it was the vocal that we still use of it was it's bright lights singing a Kanye West song. Tight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's okay. over. It was over your, your track. So yeah. It's like that original instrumental was done in 2010, which came out in 2012, which then was re-released in 2014 which then was like the number one song on Sirius BPM for like a year and a half after that. And it's like, explain the story. So it was, it was this instrumental that you had and then they had a vocal on a different song and some kid mashed it up. And then no, it's the story is a little bit, I, I can tell the actual story of this now because it doesn't really matter. But like originally the, so I did that instrumental came out on Wolfgang Gardner's kindergarten records. That's like that, right when I met you, by the way, it was like yeah, when 20, that came out. Right, yeah. exactly. Crash, the song that became the Adventure Club song was actually written over that instrumental. Oh, whoa. And then they were like, took the vocal off and remade it into something else. Like they made it into like the 110 slow banger that it was on their EP. But then I was on tour with them and he was like, played me the original one. He was like, that song was actually written over your song. And I was like, well, that's a little weird, but okay. I was like, <laughs> sure. And then, cause I'd never had a vocal version of that song. I had written a couple different versions of it, but nothing ever came out. Um, and he was, you know, he's played it for me. I was like, this is dope. And he's like, should we put this out? I was like, yeah, let's yeah, why not? put it out, you know? And it, then it became like an official release like later. So it's just like the random, very never random. know where, where a song is going to go. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy, that's, that is really crazy. It's done. Like it literally just takes on its own life. Like a hundred percent, like where it goes, who listens to it. It's like its own little thing that like just does it. I remember one time I was playing a show in Taiwan and I got there and they were like, we love your remix of rock city. Um, well, I can't even remember the name of the song. It was like a remix that I did that I didn't even know came out. It was like, <laughs> it was like for like radio club play. Like was, I don't even think it was ever officially released, but I got to Taiwan, like me, our, us and our friends listen to this remix all the time. They I'm have like, a weird thing. What? Dude, Asia, like, wait, they have a weird thing about, they have a different taste because we are like biggest song on net ease is like some random song from our EP that we've never played. And we get asked to play it every time we go. And I'm always just like, we can't even play it. It doesn't even fit into like what we're doing. It's so random, but they, they love the song. Cool. It's just their, their I whole how thing. Global music is too now. It's like, it's like crazy. I mean, you know, just the fact that there's a song that was in Spanish that was number one at US. I was literally about to ask, have you worked on anything Latin? Oh, dude, I've. Dude, Latin so, is my shit so, right now. I love so much, so much stuff I'm doing in that world. I've met a lot of amazing songwriters and producers in that world that I've just been like, it's just, I mean, I grew up in Florida. My dad lives in Puerto Rico. I used to grow there growing up all the time. It's like, like it's reggaeton, in your blood. specifically reggaeton was like always something that I was like loved, but like didn't know what what to do with it. You yeah, know, like, course, like like for for eight years, if I would have been making that stuff, it's like what would I like? Where would it have gone? Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, and now it finally has like a global platform to like push that, and, and especially too as producing EDM a lot. Like we're working in the same tempo, same rhythm right. patterns a lot, and like anything Latin. 
it just has a different feel. I mean, there's so many within Latin music as the overarching genre. It's like there's 50, 70 different rhythmic patterns and tempos and like like cumbia and like everything. There's like so far you can take that. That's just like so exciting as like a DJ producer that you're like, how can I like bring this into my world right. of like what I do? Dude, know? I love, we, uh, we just signed at uh, Chaos for our Vegas residency and they have- Congrats. Jay, oh, thank you. They have the J Balvin, Bad Bunny- uh, Ozuna, all these dudes. And I like, I've, I've stayed like an extra day or coming today early to like watch these dudes. First off the fan bases, they are selling more tickets than Cardi B, than Marshmallow, than us, than Cascade, than anyone. Like, mm. like actually that's what the guys are telling us. They're like right. number one sellers are Balvin, Bad Bunny and Ozuna. I'm like more than Cardi B, but like way more. And I really like, want to go to J Balvin's compound that he has in Columbia. I see him post videos from there all the time. Yeah, they have like they have like all sorts of like ATVs and like motor craft. Of course they stuff. do. Yeah. <laughs> it looks dope. Like of course my, they do. My goal in life is to have like a rainforest compound. Like that would be <laughs> just sick. You know, that is so, like the ultimate goal. So he's living that life, and uh, oh, that's and so I'm sick. A little jealous, honestly. Yeah, they. It's it's crazy. Like to think that they're not singing even remotely in English and it's just connecting so well in America. It's, it's insane. Well, you look at America as like a reference point. If you look at every other country, it's like songs in English go number one in other countries that is, that yeah. are not English speaking countries all the time. Um, and it's like, it's about time almost that like America can be open to that. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, And like, I, I think it's just like this year, I mean, this year and last year, I think like a big, the two big things were like K-pop, like breaking into America has been like crazy. You're seeing these K-pop acts Dude. sell out arenas. Like some K-pop acts I've never even heard of mm -hmm. at all. Like uh, what's the girl one, the not BTS, like the girl Black version Pink. of BTS. Yeah, Blackpink. Black Pink, yeah. Had no idea who that was. So then sick. all of a sudden I just <laughs> see all these people like posting about them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? And I go to their thing and I'm like, they just sold out the Dude. forum two nights in a row. Like I went to Korea last year to work on K-pop stuff. And that was like a really eye-opening experience because you hear about it, right? And I remember going into like the labels building that they have is like, it's like their museum and like head, not headquarters per se. It's like not their offices, but it's like this building they have attached to this incredibly large mall. And you go in and they're like, like come check out our cafe. You go in and they have all these products that are branded with like the groups and like all the different albums and all the graphic design, and all the design stuff on it is just like sick to begin with. But then they're like, there are, you know, women in here who are like not, like teenagers, like they're in their mid to late twenties who are in there trading cards of the boy band members and the girl group members. And like, there's an ecosystem there of like people who, you know, the people will go to the theater to see like recreations of the live shows in this like amphitheater in the building. And it's like, when you see that- It's not even the show, it's a recreation of yeah, the show. Yeah, it's like a, it's like, you know, it's like an IMAX screening of it basically. Whoa. And you, and you're like, wow, this is more than just like, you know, somewhere in a far off land, like people are listening to this music. It's like, you know, and the fact of how global it is where you see, you know, in, in Germany, K-pop is massive. And it's like, it's so crazy. Couldn't be, you know, further from each other in like a language barrier way or like, yeah, just like geographically. And it's like, it's really interesting, the globalization of all the music. And I think like, I think DSPs and streaming services are like very like, um, very much the reason why that. that yeah, because like back in the day, it's like you weren't going to go to Tower Records and pick up the BTS album because you just didn't know what it was. But now yeah. you're on New Music Friday or whatever, and you're like, what the hell is this? And then right. all of a sudden you're like, you're like Global Top it. 50, and it's like, you know, 15 songs in Spanish, and like there's K pop stuff, and you're like, I, you get exposed to it a lot easier. And, you know, because. Is it true that when you go work on K-pop stuff, it's just like a factory? Like you get in there and you just like crank out. Um, like cr I've heard just the I mean, craziest not, not stories. Not any more than it's a factory here. You know, like, I mean, we, I went with a lot of uh, writers and producers who I work with from the States a lot. And we worked with a lot of Korean writers and we got there. But 
I mean, I was there for five days and we did probably like six, seven songs. It was like, not like anything insane. Yeah, nothing it more. It wasn't like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I did, you know, uh, I just did two weeks of sessions and we probably, I did like 25 songs. Yeah, it's that's like, crazy. It wasn't like, we have to do like this song in an hour. We have this to do it. You yeah. know, it's like. And do you, do you like, are you guys like writing songs in English and then they transcribe mm -hmm. them to Korean? That's, that's Which so you just cool. come up with like the Which syllables. Cool, Cause it's like. It's not, there's like even less thinking on the lyric, which is yeah. like a lot of the thought process of- It's more about like the syllables, I would assume. And like the- The vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's um, crazy. And like I had the first song that I worked on in that camp come out and like hearing the translation of it was really sick because it's just like, like, wow, this is incredible because it's like so different and they, than and they what keep it was. the same melodies and oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, they, yeah, they, made, they, they have like, they have a very involved in our process there, like way more than the States. Or well, because it's anything. there, it's like, I watched this like documentary on it. It's like manufactured by like the government kind of, isn't it? Like K-pop or something. Well, it's like subsidized by the government a little bit. Which is it's, it's not it's really like, amazing. It's cool. Like it's, it's not really like manufactured by it, but it's like, uh, yeah, they have like a, it's a, it's a much more of a committee based process than it is like, you know, you talk to an R in the U.S. You're working on a song for somebody. They'll be like, "Yeah, like make it doper." Or like, you know, like <laughs> it's like, no, change this here, this, 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 this. And from a producer perspective, it's like it's a lot easier. Oh, like, of course, I can do exactly what you want, and then you know, it can't be like, well, they can't just say, I you don't know. There's something just the vibe, yeah. you know? Can you make it just vibe? You're like, dude, you're yeah. like, what? So it's like it's it's kind of cool. Um, and for me, it's like, you know, I've played some shows in Korea. It's like I, I go to Asia and play shows a lot too. And that music kind of like uh, in some ways dominates a lot of the other Asian territories there. And it's like really interesting to just go see it on a ground level and, and be like connected to it beyond just like hearing about BTS playing. So of course. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Do you try to when you go to these places, are you like, oh, like I'm here. Do you like hit up your agent? You're like, hey, I'm going to be here. Yeah, I mean, when I was in Korea writing, I was I met a bunch of people who do you know through throw festivals and stuff, and it was just like for me, it was also just like meeting the people who ran the EDM label attached to this K-pop company, and it was like like who who's here that like that I should probably meet, it's right? Like, you know, and also like how can I go have fun while I'm here? You know, the, the the advantage that I have as a DJ going and doing these writing trips on the other side of the world is like every other writer who doesn't travel like how we travel gets there and they're like out of commission for like three days. Of I'm course, like, yeah. Like the first time, like, cool. So like, where are we going out tonight? Like, what are we going to yeah, get dinner? Ready, you're ready to they're go. like, I can't even like think right now. And I'm like, no, when you're a DJ jet lag, it, it, it's almost non-existent, especially not when you're coming, when you come home, it might hit you a little bit more, but when you go somewhere, it doesn't really exist. You land and you're just like, all right, I either have to play a show tonight or we have to do some sort of press or yeah. I, like, like it doesn't, it's a weird, people are always, my mom, my girl, they're always just like, how do you like get it there like and go straight to stage? I'm like, yeah. well, because if you don't, then you're just going to be wrecked. So you have to just pretend like it's just not a real thing. Yeah. It's uh, this is like one of the first questions that people always ask. Yeah. Is like, how do you do it? It's like, I mean, for me, I started doing this when I was like 20 years old. I was like, I, I don't know any right. other life other than doing this. So it's like, I never really thought about it. It was just like, I'm lucky to be able to get to do no, this. For me, so it's like, like luxury. I'm like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. We don't have to be in a van with yeah. 30 people and like sleep on a motel six floor. We get to fly there and be in like some swag ass hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Hell yeah. Well, after you fly a bunch, you, you kind of like figure out how to like make it not bad. You know what I mean? You have like your routine. Like, oh, yeah. do I sleep during this time? Like, what do I eat to make me not feel bad? Like you figure it out. You know what I mean? Airline of choice. American. American. Yeah. United guy. Oh, Alliance. whoa. 
Starlink. Whoa! Another arbitrary choice. You just pick it and you go. That's the same. Yeah. Like for us, we literally like we we were like, okay, we need to pick one airline. And we just went with American. Why did we pick American? I can't remember the actual. No. Is it because the planes were Matt Gray? Research. We were just like, oh, it's American. Fuck yeah. I think you know I, mean? I think like, I think we had flown one international trip on American, like our first one, and we were like, all right, well, we have the most miles on this one, so we'll just straight stick up. That's with what I had. Like, yeah. I was just like, who? How do you happen? like United? Chill. I've Is never gotten cool? dragged off the plane, so yeah, like I guess that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got upgraded on my flight to Mexico for vacation, so like that's what. What is it for other than that? Yeah, you know no, exactly. I mean? like, yeah. What is it for other than getting the perks when you're just going somewhere not for work? Yeah, I think they're all. I mean, if you're the highest on any of them, you're probably good. I'm like, obsessed with it. Like, I, dude, I, I'm. I wanted the only thing we don't have is uh concierge concierge oh. key, but you can't. You have to be invited. They won't. Get, I, I literally wrote. We wrote them, yeah. and we were like, we we're like what do we need to do? And she's like, we've got our eye on you. That's what they wrote back. And we're like, what does that mean? I love, Wait, what does that mean? Like years ago though, are they still watching or have they given up on us? We've got our eye. We're on watching you. these people get picked up and like escalate SUVs. When we land, they're going out That's another so door. Tight. I'm like, how much more could we fly? Right. Like how much more could we fly? And they're like, it's not just about that. And we're like, What's it about? Yeah. Ty Dolla Sign had it. He got picked up. He was on our flight. And I was like, I there's that. no way that he's flying more than us. What what's he is he paying for more like higher class seats? There is it is, well, yeah, I mean it's like I mean, I'm assuming you guys probably don't book just straight up first class. No, no way. Yeah. Right, exactly. So like people who like have like if you work at um, you know, like a huge corporation and they fly you first class and just pay no matter what, it's like those people get it faster because you're yeah. just straight up booking the most expensive seat exactly. on the plane. As like to us, we're like, I'm booking economy plus and like hoping to God to get exactly, upgraded because like, yeah. I'm not paying four times more no way. for the seat. It's like 18 grand yeah. for like a like a one way over to China. It's like, dude, no. I did. No. I did upgrade when I went to Korea this year. I flew Singapore Air and I upgraded to business on that only because my friend Ryan did it and he got to the airport. He's like, I upgraded myself and I'm like, well, now I have to. Yeah, we've done it. We've, like, we've done it once or twice. Yeah, now I have to. I'm not gonna like be like be the one who doesn't do it. Which one did we? We flew. We so flew nice. Zyamen Airlines one time randomly because our flight on American had gotten canceled. And we had to just book another random one, and it was like a thousand bucks each. I think they're like it's a thousand dollars. You could upgrade to business. We were both like, yeah, definitely gonna do it. But when it's like. We we always ask too, or if we don't get it, we're like, "How much is it?" And they're they're like, "Oh, it's it's ninety five hundred. I'm just like, "Nah, no, right?" I'd rather make ninety five hundred bucks and sleep. What you know I will what I mean? say is that after I did that, I had that Singapore flight there and back, and I was just like in luxury, and you know, like the of course the yeah. cheese plate comes by mid flight, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, I, I shall." Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I went to I was in Europe, and I got I was sick. I was like right before Christmas, I was in Paris, and I had like a terrible fever. And I got to the airport, I was like, "There's no way." I can't fly business class back. I like, and I upgraded to, and and like the seat was like so terrible. Oh man. And I was like, and I had a fever the whole time. And it was like, I mean, look, whatever it, it was like, this is all like for the most first world thing ever. But of course. I yeah. Like, I was just like, I'm spoiled though. I can't like not go back. I have to, <laughs> I have to fly uh, Singapore airlines now. And it's like, <laughs> well, it's like when you're, when you're in a band and you go from being in a van to a bus and the then bus is the best. You can't go back to, you're just like, fuck. No, going back to the no, we get we get upgraded. I would say like ninety two percent of the time, like we really do get upgraded most of the time. But when we don't, we haven't not gotten upgraded to Asia in a very long time. We almost always do. It's dude, it's gonna be rough the time we don't. Now that we've done it every single time, when we run out of system wides or something, it's gonna be like motherfucker. Does United have that? Like, uh, yeah. If you get once you hit one k, 
then you get like six a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's like, yeah, I think we we get we get five for every hundred and fifty thousand. It, it's something like yeah, that. Something mm. like that. They just changed it. I don't know what it is. I don't know. They're, yeah, they're always changing. Everything's it. gamified okay. too. It's like, yeah, dude. well, it's a it's like a I, there's a psychological term for this, but it's like a it's a social proof because it's like you're not gonna not fly that airline. No, of course. You know, it's like, oh, this is cheaper. It's like, I don't care. I'm paying more because it's like, you know, they it's like- They keep doing that. They can just keep, keep changing. It's home. I love that we're DJs talking about getting upgraded on flights. Hey, whatever, like, man. It's, it's like, like we are, we're like, it's the most, but it's it's something that's real and relative to our life. Yeah, it's, you know? it's very relative to our situations. Well, when you're a DJ, there's like three things you really care about. Your hotel situation, your flight situation, and your food situation. Because <laughs> you're somewhere you don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the, it's one of the only things that you can control. And like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh. I can't never fly. I like half of United. You have tried to. Fly. I tried to split it up one year. I tried to split it up one year between Delta because I got like a status match on Delta, and I had Delta and United for one year, and then I like went down two levels Dude, on so both weird. of them, and it was uh, awful. It's so weird that you say that. We got status match on United and Delta. They both status matched mm -hmm. us with American. We still didn't fly the other ones. Like we didn't even kind. Of, we we had it just like a. Oh, this this one to, this flight to Mexico is cheaper on Delta. Okay, fine, we'll take it. Right. But like, it was it was random. We yeah, we didn't do it. A China Eastern like over domestically in China, and we use our expired Sky Team passes. Oh yeah, they don't know. We have yeah, we have our Sky Team things that say we're platinum, but it clearly says it expired in like February Fire. 2017. I love that. But we just give it to them, and they still give us priority and everything. It doesn't make Sick. any sense. I love that. I don't know why. You don't really get to get one over on an airline very no. often, so when you do, it's like very. Dude, much try try boarding with group. Two, if you're in group three, they will fucking execute you. <laughs> Chopped in the neck. Um, all right, so we've been talking for an hour. The last last thing I kind of want to ask, we ask everybody, what's like, uh, Do you have you had like your full circle like moment yet? Like with, with Goldstein when he was on here, he got to write with Blink and they were like his thing. Have you had like that moment yet as like a writer or as a DJ where you're just like, holy shit, I got like, I grew up with this, listening to this person. I've done a song or written a song or. I met Kanye. That's fucking Whoa. sick. In a really weird scenario too. Um, it was at JLo's house. Okay, it gets even worse. I mean, it gets deeper. So <laughs> basically it was like um, when I was doing a bunch of the Fifth Harmony stuff, uh, there was another record that we did that they liked for JLo. And they're like, you know, you can go work at her house. She lives in Hidden Hills. Like she's a studio. You guys can go get started, like work on a couple ideas. And um, she'll come in, you know, after she shoots whatever television show. At her house. Yeah, at her house. They're like, you can go to her house. She'll meet you there later. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, she has like a staff there. Right, and like, right. like her engineer was there. Like, you know, it was it was chill. It was just like working at a studio, but they're like, she's filming a TV show. She'll come in later. And now, you know, we're there, we're working. We're just like, this is weird where JLo's house. <laughs> this is like strange. Um, and like kind of a little surreal. And then uh, so like around dinner time, like uh the A&R comes in and is like, oh, like, you know, Jennifer's here and she has some dinner guests with her. They're going to come in and listen to some music. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and he's like, he goes like, it's Kanye. And I'm just like, I dude, like my, my three heroes are Daft Punk, Kanye West and M83. Oh, wow. Um, so like, and uh, so me like thinking about meeting Kanye is just like a really- Not only meeting him, him coming in and listening to the things you've been making all day. Scary, terrifying, <laughs> dude. Yo, terrifying. And uh, so so basically we meet JLo, Kim and Kanye all at the same oh moment. Oh my they all God. Come in and they're like, hello. And I still to this day think that Kanye just thought we were like, Jennifer's like on staff. <laughs> producers and writers or whatever. I just think that they were like, uh, you know, he just wasn't, but he was really cool. It was, this was kind of like right after life of Pablo came out too. And, 
there's like a couple, he said some just like wild stuff. Like he was very, very polite, but then he would kind of like snap into being like, um, like very like, you know, uh, what's the word? Like full of himself, I guess. But it was like, uh, w- they were playing this song. They're like, it was like a Meek Mill song or something. And like, yeah, it kind of sounds like it's like a very Kanye inspired song. He goes, hold on. He goes, all music is Kanye music. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is like, you're like, okay. But then he goes and lists like everything that's on the radio. He's like, I did this here. I did this here. I did this. And you're like, okay, not wrong about that. <laughs> um, and we were making like kind of like an island thing. And he was like, he's like, what you need to do is you need to go to Jamaica. Oh and he's God. like, and you have to get the bass player who gets paid $13 an hour to play the bass line. So that way it's real. <laughs> and I was like, was like what? <laughs> and then he turns, this is the one thing that still mind boggles us today about this because we don't know the context of this conversation. And he turns, he goes, Jennifer, if time permits, you and Fergie should both go to Jamaica together. Like when you take your home girl to the gym and we're like talking about like Fergie and I was like, we still don't really know. Like yeah, that must've been a previous conversation <laughs> about like they, maybe they were going to work on something together. Uh, but like, yeah, that was, um, that was like, not, not really a full circle moment, but one of the moments that you just, I remember it was me, Ammo and his then girlfriend, now wife, Jude. And we like get in the car. Like nobody says anything. We just like start looking at other and just like laughing hysterically. Cause yeah. we're like, what just happened there? Like, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, I would have shit my pants. Uh, yeah, I would have died, like, dude. Yeah, I would have been. If he was like, yo, Kanye's coming in here to listen to the stuff you've been working on today. I'm like, can he come in here and listen to stuff I worked on prior? Like, maybe not the stuff we just did I today. Like, like, on the computer crash. Yeah, I, honestly, I, so I, like, I also just was like, I was like, this is not the way that I imagined this going. Like, <laughs> I didn't mean, I want him to be like, yo, I love your song like this. I really want you to work on my next album. And I'm like, yes, sure, Kanye. <laughs> but, uh, but that was a crazy moment. And then, I mean, like doing doing ultra with Tiesto, like going up and doing show me at like main stage at ultra. Like, dude, I've been going to ultra since I was 16 years old. I grew up in Florida, like been sneaking in there and just going down to Miami since I was so young and to be back up on like, and be on the other side of that on that main stage and like looking out at that. I mean, that was the thing that also just gave me the fire to be like, I'm so close to getting there to, to being that person who's playing that, that time slot at that stage. Like how, like if I, you know, if I was like doing more production for other people, like looking back on my life 20 years in the past, being like, wow, I got so close. And for whatever reason, I just didn't go right, all right. that way. I was like, no, I have to. Like, so like that moment, anytime I get to go up on a big stage and like do that and like be in front of like thousands of people, you're just like, damn, like I have to keep doing this. Yeah, you got to see pushing. how far I can take this. Sure. And like, so like that moment in particular of doing uh, Show Me and the other record, Your Love that we did at Ultra. Um, it was funny too, because the guy thought I was a singer. He was like, you're going up there to sing, right? And I was like, because I had like really long hair at the time. And I was like, no, I'm just going up there to like talk shit on the mic, basically. Jump around, yeah. Yeah, but um, but that was like another moment where I feel like if you, if you tell like seven-year-old me who was buying Ibiza transmixes, you're like, you did a song with Tiesto and you guys performed it at the, one of the bu- biggest music festivals of, in the world on the main stage with pyro and fireworks and yeah, you're like, so like, sick. Really extreme. Yeah. And it's just like, damn, that's like one of those moments you have to come back. And like, I, I think that being able to find the gratitude in those moments are the things that are, the, that's the most important. Cause you're like, we can get so caught up in like, well, dude, like whatever, like dude, any, course, yeah. any numberable of innumerable things of like, th- of things that can make you pissed off or like frustrated. Cause you're not where you want to be, or like you didn't get what you wanted or like, uh, like something isn't going right. And you gotta be like, Whoa, if I would have told my younger self that, would he be stoked? Oh, of course. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 
hell yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like bringing yourself back in those moments of when you feel down or like angry or frustrated, just being like, let's take a look at what you've done. You know, like, it's going to be fine. And, and remember, like, remember how you felt when you started this, like what your intention was when you started this entire journey and remembering those things will help you just kind of put a level head on stuff and then also like be able to take it further and, and know that honestly, if you could make it from being a kid in the bedroom to getting up on that stage, it's like, what else, what, what can't you do? You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of in, in uh, conclusion, that's yeah. kind of like the, I love that. The well, dude, thank you for, thank you for, for taking the time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that was an hour. So great. Whoop, whoop. Killed it. Yep. Woo. Oh yes.